3: Welcome to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt, back in the home studio with you today. I am live and you can get your call queued up here. If you want to be the first caller in the queue, you can reach us at 610-363-1110. Just for the benefit of all the partners, we have gotten in the habit of updating the buy list every Monday morning. So Go in there and look. You can see the new stocks that were added to the buy list. You can also see the commentary, which is going to be information that we don't share uh, publicly here on the radio show. It's just for the benefit of the partners. And keep an eye out for the next conference call. That's going to be scheduled in the next couple of weeks. You'll get an alert when that is um, set on the schedule to come out. Let's take a look at some economic news. So this week, uh, yesterday, we got ISM services PMI out and it unexpectedly increased to 56.7. That's the highest in three months and it beat market forecast. So faster increases were seen for production in new orders while employment fell less which, which is good, and price pressures eased. On the other hand, inventories fell at a faster place, pace, which is the good news. So, Anthony Neves, the chair of the Institute for Supply Management, said that availability issues with overland trucking, a restricted labor pool, and various material shortages and inflation continue to be impediments for the services sector. So. We are definitely seeing that weakening coming into the economy that the Fed is trying to accomplish with the raising rates because inflation is still so high. Also, yesterday we saw the 30-year mortgage come down just a hair to 5.43%. That's a little bit of good news, but the bad news is that it is still, the mortgage rate is still 180% of where it sat just last year. So home ownership is starting to become out of reach for some of the Americans who are hoping to fulfill the American dream of home ownership as home prices soar. So home prices are up 20% year over year. So I say all that to say we're having weakening in, in the housing market, but it is still unbelievably strong. So the toxic combination of rising mortgage rates and rising home prices have those who wishing to purchase a home paying way more than just a year ago. So last July 2021, the median home price was $360,000 and the average 30-year mortgage rate was 3%. That put your principal and interest payment, if you put 20% down, at $1,215 a month. This July, median home prices jumped from three hundred and sixty thousand to four hundred and sixteen thousand, and mortgage rate to now five point four three. So, if you uh, bought the medium median home price home priced at four hundred and sixteen thousand, your principal and interest payment was now one thousand eight hundred and seventy six dollars. So that's a jump of $661 a month to get in the same type of house with the same type of mortgage. That's an increase of 54%. So with these conditions, we're going to continue to see some weakening in the housing market. Now, I don't think it's going to be anything like it was in 2008, 2009, just because we don't have the same kinds of issues. We still have a lot of people out there looking to get into homes. Demand is still very strong. Supply is still below, well below what demand is. Um, This morning, we also saw the jobs number come out. And what we saw is a continuation of weakening in the job market. Job market is still very strong. You know, we've seen almost two jobs for every American seeking work. But the number of Americans filing for new claims this morning rose by 6,000 to 260,000 for the week ending July the 30th. So that was bigger than what the analysts were expecting. I say all that to say that, you know, people are always making short-term predictions and the majority of the time the short-term predictions are inaccurate. So we take a look at the data. We, we try not to get too much into making predictions short-term. We uh, recommend a long-term strategy in your investing, but we are taking a look at how things are moving in the short term. Now, the four-week moving average, um, which removes the week-to-week volatility, was at 254750 That was also an increase of 6000 from the previous week's uh, downwardly revised range of two hundred and forty eight thousand. So we are seeing softening in the job market, still very strong, softening in the housing market that is still very strong, and some strengthening in the supply chain as we're seeing freight costs start to decrease and we're start to see some of those uh, inventory issues be resolved. Now, it remains to be seen if this will actually reduce inflation, <laughs> but don't worry, Joe and Joe are on the job. (laughs) Joe Manchin uh, and Chuck Schumer have introduced this Inflation Reduction Act that, of course, Joe Biden strongly endorses and would sign if it got passed and got sent to his desk. So stay tuned. We're going to talk a little bit more about what all that means a little bit later in the show. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to have the Ask Shanna part of the show. I just would remind you that um, we're seeing a huge backlog of partner questions. Lots of them are redundant. Um, There are lots of how-to videos. If you go to the partner side, there are some FAQs that you can search up. We would encourage you to keep your questions rapid fire Friday style. So some of the questions are getting a bit lengthy, um, you know, with uh, going into a lot of detail, I won't reveal a lot of partner strategy over the air. So make sure that it's a question that doesn't compromise the integrity of the partnership because that is just for partners. We, we address those kinds of things on the partner conference calls rather than just over the air. So keep it short, keep it pithy, make sure it's edifying for everyone listening. And we'll get to those uh, answers when we return. We're also going to have Craig Halgert with the Ag Report. So, just to remind you, uh, we are here at Financial Issues to help you be a good steward of what the Lord has trusted you with. So, that involves number one, defunding darkness by investing in a biblically responsible manner. And also, it involves your stewardship. So, you know, the master's coming back one day. He's going to ask for an account of what we did with the time, talent, and treasure. And here at Financial Issues, we give you plenty of opportunity to put your stewardship dollars to work. You know, India Partners is a great uh, a place to put those dollars to work. We just did a campaign for them where we helped them raise some money to purchase a property to help rescue children out of the flesh trade in India. Also, Preborn is another very, very worthwhile ministry. You can check out that and all of our partners on the financialissues.org website, where you can also download our phone app so that you can take us with you wherever you go. You can also listen to the program, uh, listen or watch. You can go back later and uh, get to the podcast for Financial Issues. You can um, go back and listen to anything you caught the tail end of that maybe you want to hear again. You can also get FISM news and all of the original content that all of you faithful partners and soldiers so graciously support. So I'm Shanna Burke with Financial Issues, and we'll be back right after this break.
5: 18
3: plus. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Bird. I'm a financial advisor in private practice. Securities are offered through GA Rappel and Company, a registered broker dealer and investment advisor, members of FINRA and SIPC. My opinions are my own and don't necessarily reflect those of GA Rappel. Or the media outlet that you're listening on, so real important that I give you those disclaimers because as we get into answering some questions here, uh, just make sure that you listen closely. If you're going to take the advice that um, that I'm that I'm talking about, if you're going to take that education and try to apply it to yourself, you need to make sure that it fits your situation, um, just as it does the person that I'm talking to. So we've got uh, almost a full board. Now let's, let's get right to calls and let's go to Rob. Rob's calling us from Ohio. Morning, Shanna. Good morning,
7: Shanna. Good morning. Yes. So I'm 51. Um, My wife is 47. We're in the, I believe it's 45 to 55 model. We bought five stocks in the uh, 12 for 22 and i think we put way too much money in it and now we're really overweighted and we're looking to kind of balance that out um, in the rest of the portfolio Uh, should i what what are we're trying to figure out um, if we should buy anything in the income stocks is that just for the next bracket when you're getting ready to retire
3: Yeah, I would say if you're more than, you know, five to 10 years out from retirement, you really should have a growth focus as long as you have the risk appetite to do that. The income stocks are primarily for the income model and the 65 into retirement model.
7: Okay. So growth. Okay. Okay. And uh, the yellow stocks, which are the foundational stocks, would those fit in to, to our model as well? Because we saw a really good one for Costco on the buy list.
3: Okay. Um, just just as a reminder, let's uh, use the, the call numbers for the stocks because we don't want to, you know, give – you know, give that away to non, non partners there. So, um, yes, the, the yellow stocks are foundational and so they are good to, to start to build any portfolio. And, um, we're also adding in as things are coming onto the buy list, which as a reminder, you should not buy anything unless it is on the buy list. The broad list is there for informational purposes only. Um, You know, it it indicates some of the stocks that we are following, but it doesn't mean that they are good to buy. I mean, all it means is that they are potentially biblically responsible. They get scrubbed, you know, ever so often, but there's a possibility that they could um, have become not biblically responsible between the time that they were put on and the last time that they were scrubbed. But we always do scrub them uh, using the evaluator prior to putting them on the buy list. So, yes, you can start with the the yellow stocks, and we're also putting descriptions in there. Um, you'll see the call number. You'll see the, the ticker symbol. You'll see the company name, and then you'll see a description. So we're adding in there the subsector so that you can uh, diversify within your sector. We're also adding the size of the company, whether it's a, a small cap, mid cap, or large cap, and whether it's for a growth growth in income or income investor.
7: So it'll it'll have a little subset in there that tells what that's for. That's great.
3: Yep, we're doing that. Um, the website on the backside is a little bit clunky, and so it's hard to update uh, in a in a with a lot of data all at one time. So we're doing it little by little, which is a, a scriptural. Uh, principle that we always apply here at, at the ministry. So as things are going on to the buy list, that's when they get reviewed, refined and updated and those those things added in.
6: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
5: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, so stuff
7: like those healthcare REITs and all those and, and the, uh, the, that are listed in the model that I should have percentages of, if there's not any of those on the buy list at this time, now is not the time to buy them, correct?
3: Correct. So you could work on okay. um, the parts of your portfolio where you're heavy. You could start to pare back some of those, make some decisions about how to do that, and then just wait for things to come onto the buy list. We also have um, some things like particularly in energy right now, we have some stocks that are very similar. We give a little bit of guidance there in the commentary as to, you know, if you're under this age, go with this one. If you're over this age, go with this one. Or if you're growth or, or uh, income-oriented, we give some some guidance there. So you'll want to make sure that you're not... Um, getting too heavily weighted, even within the sector. So that's why we're adding in that subsector information.
7: One one last real quick thing. So Timothy, we're looking at, I think we can work on some of the Timothy if I'm, if I'm, if I'm reading yes. it right at this time, we can still work on some of the Timothy and, sh- and I should be in my model, I should be working on um, growth. There's like a Timothy growth fund. Is that,
3: well, if you're using the investment model, there are only a handful of the Timothy, you know, uh, I think maybe three of the Timothy funds that go in that model. So you either want to pick the investment model or the Timothy model. Okay, so the Timothy model mm-hmm. is a is a more hands off approach to it. Uh, if you're using the investment strategy, you're building your own portfolio and you're you're picking individual stocks, which is the majority of the portfolio. It does include a, a a few of the Timothy ETFs and mutual funds but not the one that you're talking about.
7: Okay, the um so 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 the, that that we're we're doing our own. We're not doing the Timothy model. We're doing an investment model and in sub but, but there are some Timothys that can go into that investment
3: model. Yes. And you okay. can work on those. Right. now.
7: Okay, great. Thank you.
3: All right. Thanks for calling. All right, let's go to Connie. Connie is calling us from Germany.
8: Hey, Shanna, I am so thankful. I just want to start by saying, this fantastic job, you and the entire team, all the staff, Pat, uh, Seth, just coming in and taking a a situation that was difficult and wading through it and just doing a fantastic job. I'm so very thankful every day for this ministry. I've been a partner for several years and it's not all about the money. It's about how we can be stewards and use our, our resources to glorify Christ. And I just thank you for that position. Oh, thank um, you for that encouragement. I want to, um, just tell you about a little mistake that I made, and I'm I'm, I'm sure you can give me some guidance. I purchased some IT83 on the list that Dan had provided the 12 for 22, and um, I'm trying to get out from under qualified money and just in my brokerage account starting that process. I'm 61. I have nine more years to work, but I want to start getting familiar with how that works. So Um, in, I actually bought 500 shares instead of $500. So the, to the tune of $85,000, which I had the cash. Okay, no problem. But now I'm way overweighted in that sector. And it took a real significant dive after I purchased, of course. Um, we're always told not to get in and get out at the wrong time. So I'm holding on and just, I need to get some money out of there and put it somewhere else and I'm just really not sure of the timing or the process for me to do that.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.
3: Well, you know, whenever you're building a portfolio, we recommend dollar cost averaging where you put in set amounts of money over time so you get an average cost. You could also apply that same principle to getting out. So you could plan on getting back down to your allocation within, say, the next um, three to six months, whichever one you choose. If you choose six months, divide the amount that you need to get out by uh, six and take that amount out. Uh, on the same day uh, of the month every every month for the next six months, so um, you'll have to kind of readjust that as it goes because the price will change. So in the first month you do one sixth, the next month you're going to do one fifth, so on and so forth, so you can uh, get to where you need to be within you know three to six months.
8: Perfect, and I really appreciate it. That's going to help me a lot. And I just want to say that using Dan's strategy, um, I put some money in my Roth, and I did only Timothy funds when I first started out. That is the one part of my portfolio that has had a 28% increase over all of this COVID and everything going on with the economy. So the plan works, um, and I, I support it, and I really do appreciate everything you guys are doing to keep information coming to us from a godly view. Great.
3: Thanks so much for your encouragement. And thanks for sharing your experience. I I know that that helps a lot of people out there listening. Well, folks, we're coming right up on the Ag Report with Craig Halgert. He's going to tell us how things are moving in the commodity markets. And I know that so many of our farmers and ranchers really appreciate everything that he does. So stay tuned for Craig. And then when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more about that Inflation Reduction Act and how Joe and Joe are on the job. I'm Shana Burt with Financial Issues, and we'll be back right after Craig.
1: This is Craig Haugard with your Financial Issues Ag update for August 4th. Corn futures traded down into the chart gaps left from last week and then benefited from a midday bounce to close a touch higher during yesterday's trade. In demand news, we saw weekly ethanol production show a week-over-week increase of 22,000 barrels per day, while ethanol margins dropped by two cents to 36 cents per gallon. At the close, December futures were two cents higher at 5.96 and a quarter. A reduced Chinese political risk and a wetter August forecast in the Midwest put soybeans on the defensive yesterday. At at the close, November soybean futures were 16 and three-quarter cents lower at 13.69 and three-quarters. In wheat, the talk once again seemed to center on Ukraine. News that three more ships are ready to sail from Ukraine put downward pressure on prices during yesterday's trade. At the close, we had Minneapolis September futures two cents higher at 8.75 and a quarter. Kansas City dropped by six and three-quarter cents, closing at 8.35 and a half. And Chicago futures were 11 cents lower at 7.63 and three-quarters. Cotton futures were slightly lower in a very lethargic session. At the close, we had December down 38 points at 94.43. Livestock futures were mixed. October live cattle were $1.82.5 higher, settling at $143.95 per weight. September feeder cattle were $1.45 higher at $182.90 per hundred, while October lean hog futures gave up some ground. At the close, they were $37.5 cents lower at $95.85 per hundred. Class three milk futures broke fairly hard to the downside. At the finish, the September futures were 50 points lower at $19.90. Meat cutout values were all on the defensive. Choice box beef ended the day 52 cents lower at 267.94. Select boxes dropped by 25 cents to sell at 242.30, and pork carcass cutout values were sharply lower. They were down $5.53 for the day, ending the session at $125.49 per hundredweight. This has been Craig Hoggard with your financial issues egg update. We'll be right back with more financial issues after this.
3: Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt, and let's get a look at how the markets are moving this morning. So the NASDAQ opened in positive territory. It's up 0.17%. The S&P is just about flat or just a hair in negative territory. So for the year, that still puts us down in both of those indices, the S&P 500 is down around 13%, 14%. The NASDAQ is down around 22%. So still in uh, correction and bear territory for the NASDAQ. If we take a look at oil, we're sitting at, ooh, a little bit of a drop there at uh, right under $90 a barrel. That's interesting to see that come down. And we have gold sitting at $17.91. And Nat Gas is at $8.19. So the markets are relieved now that Pelosi is out of Taiwan. And the message that that has sent to China, um, the, the China ramping up their military drills and everything else while she was there, uh, threatening to make good on the promises that they made that if she comes over to Taiwan that that it wouldn't be without consequence so we are going to get right back to calls we have let's go to Kathy Kathy's calling us from Florida hi Kathy
9: hi Shanna I want to thank you also for picking up ministry so so nicely
3: oh thanks
9: I have a question we have um our financial issues portfolio, but we already had one with a financial advisor, so it's kind of half and half. The financial issues portfolio is so much better than the other one, um, doing so much better that I want to quit the other the other guy, but I don't know how to go about it. Do do I just ask him to turn those stocks over to me, or does he would he want them to be liquidated
3: as he? gives them back to us? Or how does that work? Um, well, it really doesn't matter what <laughs> what his preference is. Um, what you would do is wherever you're managing your other portfolio, open the same type of account that you have with a financial advisor, and then you just submit transfer paperwork. So you can give instructions for those things to come over in kind, which is probably the best way, especially if you would have to pay a, a commission or a sales charge to get out of those uh, particular investments. So you want them to come over into your account. Um, Hopefully you're doing it on a discount brokerage platform where it doesn't cost you anything to trade. And then you can make um, those adjustments there. Okay.
9: So they're they're all, it seems like they're all down. So I I wouldn't want to do anything with them now. I'm hoping they'll go up eventually.
3: Well, you don't necessarily have to wait for that because in in a market like we're in right now, where we're starting to see, um, uh, you know, everything, at first it was very, very focused as to what was going down. It was most of the things that were the big companies that were in the index. Now it's more broad based. So what you can think about is that if you're going from something that's down to something that's down, it's just a sideways move. So you don't always have to get hung up in, in waiting for those things to recover. In fact, you know, as you mentioned, the 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 portfolio strategy that you're using now with financial issues has done better than your other strategy. So if that holds true, then you would be moving out of investments that are down, that are not performing as well to other investments that could be down. You know, we're looking for opportunities there um, that maybe have a better potential to go up. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is to use. um This opportunity as a ministry opportunity. So as you talk to your financial advisor, you can let them know, hey, I've been following a strategy that honors the Lord. I'm a Christian. You know, a lot of the companies that are uh, that I'm invested in with you are not biblically responsible because they use my money to further agendas that don't line up with my values And so, you know, thank you for your service and whatever. But my convictions are that I need to be biblically responsible. And a lot of times, you know, when people see you actually putting your money where your mouth is or your money where your faith is, that is a strong testimony to them. So it could encourage them to say, you know, maybe they've never heard of biblically responsible investing. So maybe they're going to look into it. And if they're a Christian, you may plant the seed that you know, the Holy Spirit uses to convict that person to become biblically responsible in their own practice.
4: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
9: See website for details. Okay. okay. Then one more question. For the things that are on the buy list now that are new, would you consider that they're at a down point And so now is a good time to buy? Is that, is that the yes. thinking that, okay, so the new things that are coming out would be at a good point to make a switch into them?
3: Yeah, I mean, they're not necessarily down. That's not a criteria that we look at to to be on the buy okay. list. What we're looking for the buy list are things that are good to buy right now that have great potential going forward. So, you know, yes, it's good if you can do a sideways move. But what is really more important is what you're going to be moving into have a better potential for going up from where it is. Okay. But thinking okay. of that sideways move just kind of helps with, uh, you know, the emotional mm-hmm. side of it. Yes. <laughs> Okay.
9: All right. Thank you so much. And God bless your ministry.
3: God bless you too, Kathy. Thank you for calling and thank you for your partnership. Well, we do have a few more calls coming in and we'll get to those. It almost feels like a rapid fire Friday, but let's get to those Ash questions as we promised earlier. What do we have there, Seth?
5: Sounds good, Shanna. Let's do it. Let's start with Andrew. He's asking about E59. He says on the broad list, it's listed as uh, one certain ticker. And he says the company name there, which I'm not going to share. Shanna, I'll I'll let you do that if you want to. Uh, He purchased it and then realized that the ticker is for a stock with a different name. And so he's basically wondering, is this company biblically responsible and which company is the correct one for the broad list?
3: Okay. So um, both of the companies are actually biblically responsible. And what happened was that uh, one company is a spinoff of another. Now, neither of them are on the buy list, so neither of them should have been purchased if you're following uh, following our strategy. Remember, you only buy when it's on the buy list. So both are biblically responsible. Um, neither are on the buy list. One was a spinoff. The company, it was the ticker symbol that was the correct company, Um it has now been updated. So when they spun off the other company, they kept one name, and the other uh, ticker symbol that you mentioned got the other name. And they're two separate and distinct businesses. They are they are both on the broad list. They have been their descriptions have been updated, so you can go and check that out. They are both biblically responsible. Since they're not on the buy list, then you'll have to make the determination as to whether or not um, you keep the one that you bought.
5: Good stuff, Shanna. We've got a pithy one here from Brian. He's saying he's down about 50% in CD83. Should he dollar cost down at this price? He's never added to this position and he's 45.
3: I would hold off there on that particular one. They just had a settlement um, in California due to some deceptive marketing uh, and unlawful leasing practices. So um, I, I would hold off on all of that to see what the fallout is going to be. Uh, it's not. We have not issued a sell alert on it at this point, so you don't ne- need to necessarily sell it. But I would just hold off on that for now.
5: Awesome, Shannon. Next one is Mike. He's a new investor using the ages 35 to 45 asset allocation model, he's 36. Uh, He said, I'm building my portfolio for the last six months, focusing on stocks labeled growth or growth and income on the buy list. However, I'm unsure if I should buy growth and income stocks that are highlighted blue because they're foundational for income investors. Should I wait for more non-blue stocks to show up on the buy list? I'm still missing one to two positions in most sectors, and I value an aggressive strategy.
3: So you could wait for some more aggressive things to come on, but just because it's blue, doesn't mean that it's not good for for every asset class now it's more focused for the income investor or the 65 plus if it's a blue stock but if it does indicate that there's some growth there I would just encourage you to read the description and um, you know see if you think it fits with your portfolio but it's not a bad thing just to wait if you're if you're having uh, if you're wanting a more aggressive strategy.
5: Good stuff, Shanna. Kim is up next. She says, thank you for all your due with your guidance. I'm working with the 55 to 65 AAM. She's 60, by the way. Gradually purchasing stock positions in each of the model sector. What percentage should I allocate for each sector's subsector? And then she's also asking, are MA35 and MA22 in the same material sector? Shanna, I know you mentioned MA22 yesterday, so it might be a follow-up to that.
3: Mm, Okay. I didn't get a chance to look up those call numbers, but to answer the first part of it, um, you're going to want to have between one to two and a half percent in each individual stock position. So it's hard to answer the question um, and apply it to every single sector because there are different weightings in each sector. So um, and, and there are lots of different subsectors within each sector. So it varies. It based it's it depends on each individual sector, but What you're going to want to do is diversify. There are so many subsectors. You should really only have one in each subsector, and you can pick and choose based on the description and what you think fits best for you, but have between 1% to 2.5% in each one there.
5: Awesome, Shannon. I think we got time for one more here as we're coming to the end of the segment. Owen is asking, uh, first he's saying, thank you for your service for Dan's ministry and carrying the torch. He's following or attempting to follow Dan's portfolio plan for his age group, 45 to 55. He's actually 55. His question is, as my age increases, do I change my portfolio plan as well?
3: Yes, uh, that, the short answer to that is yes. So as you cross over into those age categories, you're gonna wanna you know, take six months to a year to transition into the new strategy. And more than just the age uh, descriptions you should be more concerned with how close you are to retirement so if you're you know in retirement follow the 65 if you're getting within you know five years to retirement be using the, the 55 to 65 so on and so forth so we're coming up on a break here we've got some calls we'll get to those and some more information here in the next part or the last little part of the show today it's really flown by today so I'm Sheena Burt with Financial Issues and we'll be back right after this
6: ChumbaCasino.com.
5: No purchase necessary. Dw prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: The opinions and recommendations expressed on this show do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors.
3: Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt. We've got a few more calls that we're going to try to get through quickly. And if there's time, I will talk to you about that Inflation Reduction Act that we mentioned earlier in the show. So let's get right to Robert. Robert's calling us from Mississippi.
7: Hey, Shanna, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I have a Roth and a, uh, I guess it's a qualified IRA with about 300,000. And I'm 68 years old and I've been transferring over to the Roth uh, because the IRA is obviously qualified. So uh, do I need to accelerate that with the tax increase or just continue to uh, go as I have been going with about 40000 a year?
3: Okay. And what tax bracket does that put you in?
7: Well, I'm in about an 11%, and I was trying to stay in that.
9: Mm-hmm.
3: All right. So I would say... Um, I definitely think taxes are going to be higher in the future than what they are today, and there's a good possibility, a good probability, that if this Inflation Reduction Act gets uh, passed, that taxes are going to go up more quickly than what we had thought. So that does indicate now both the IRA, traditional IRA and the Roth account are considered qualified accounts. Now the Roth account has better tax treatment because when it comes out, you know, when you do the conversion, you pay the taxes. And then when it comes out, it comes out tax free, as long as you've met all of the criteria there. But both of them being qualified money means that the government can change the rules on either of the account if you don't have money in non-qualified account, I would start to um, consider adding that in to diversify the types of account that you have as well. Uh, I would definitely say go up to the end of the 12% tax bracket, whatever that looks like for you, whether you're uh, single or married. You can, uh, you know, you can look up that information easily on the IRS website or work with your tax professional. I would even consider going into the 22% bracket. So, um, you know, doing some of that there because I just don't think we're going to see many opportunities to get money out at, you know, that low of a tax rate. Now, the thing that you have to be concerned about, and you probably won't hit this until you get, uh, unless you get into the next bracket, which is the 24% bracket, is the IRMA limits. And what that has to do with is that if you have uh, so much taxable income, don't quote me on this, but I believe that the number is somewhere around 178000 Then that's going to change the cost of your uh, Medicare Part B and possibly Part D uh, cost. And you can look that up. It's IRMMA, I believe. Uh, you can look up what those, those limits are on that. And it doesn't actually hit you until two years later. So they look back at your taxable income from two years prior and that's what they determine your premiums on
7: okay all right well i sure appreciate it
3: all right great thanks for calling robert let's go to lawana lawana's calling from illinois hello Hello.
9: thank you thank you for hello sienna thank you for taking my call And um, I recently heard about fractional shares. Is that something that we're able to do? And if so, how is it done? And I will hang up and listen to your answer.
3: All right. Great. Thanks for that question. That's a a really good question. So fractional shares... Uh, lots of different stocks trade at different prices. You know, some trade at $10 a share and some trade at over $1,000 a share. So if you're doing a dollar cost averaging program or you're investing amounts smaller than what the share price is, that means that you're buying a fractional share. The way to know if you can do that is to contact the brokerage firm that you're trading on. So they will determine whether or not you can buy fractional shares or not. And you, you can and you should if that is uh, what you need to do to get the right allocation. great question. Let's go to Jack. Jack is calling us from Oklahoma. Yes, ma'am. How are you doing today? Better than I deserve.
7: Well, good. And and thank you for stepping in. Uh, this is my first call to you. I bothered Dan a lot in the past, but <laughs> now you're, you're in the hole. So, uh, but he had said, he had said in the past, uh, if we already owned a stock, you know, that Maybe wasn't on the buy list at this point, but we wanted to dollar cost down average in that stock at that time. That was okay to go ahead. Do you think that's still a hold for today, or has that changed?
3: No, I would. I would mostly agree with that. You know, and a lot of times, uh, you know, there were times that I would hear Dan say, um, "Don't do it now," based on some particular dynamic that was happening in the company. So it's not just a yes just because you already own it. The things that you're going to want to look at, number one, is your asset allocation. If you're overweighted in the sector, don't do it. Put the new money to work uh, in a different sector where you're underweighted. Um, The next thing that you're going to want to look at is do you have enough diversification within the sector? If you only have one stock and you're almost fully allocated for that sector, then I wouldn't do it. Then you're going to start to drill down to the individual company. You're going to want to look to see, you know, does it have at least a... Positive 30 day trajectory. If it does, then it might be uh, that might be the go ahead for you.
7: Okay. All righty. Well, wonderful. Thank you very
6: much.
3: All right. Great. It uh, almost felt like a rapid fire Friday today, but that is coming up tomorrow. So let's real quickly get to that Inflation Reduction Act. Let's take a look at this clip first.
5: Well, here's a strange report from Congressman Matt Goetz, where the IRS has allegedly stockpiled ammunition worth about $725,000 this year alone. With this in mind, Goetz introduced the Disarm the IRS Act at the beginning of July, which would prohibit the service from acquiring further ammunition. Here's Goetz from a June appearance on Fox News. Call me old fashioned, but
1: I thought the heaviest artillery an IRS agent would need would be a calculator. Uh, Certainly, it's troubling that in 2022 alone, the IRS has spent around $725,000 on ammunition. So here's the Biden plan. Disarm Americans, open the border, empty the prisons, but rest assured, they'll still collect your taxes and they need $725,000 worth of ammunition, apparently, to get the job done.
5: The bill has been co-signed by three other Republican representatives and currently sits in the House Ways and Means Committee. Now, the IRS obtaining ammunition is not new. The service does maintain a criminal investigation division that employs law enforcement officers to investigate violations of the Internal Revenue Code and related financial crimes. A previous Government Accountability Office report from 2018 even shows that the IRS actually spends a few hundred thousand dollars each year, some of it going to ammunition and firearm purchases. IRS Criminal Investigation Chief Jim Lee wrote in the division's most recent annual report that the American people rely on CI's ability to investigate and recommend prosecution of criminal tax violations and other related financial crimes to the Department of Justice.
3: Wow. Wow. So what does that tell us? (laughs) The IRS is arming up. I wonder what that has to do with. Well, potentially, it has everything to do with this Inflation Reduction Act that uh, Joe and Joe are on the job to do. Joe Biden says that his number one domestic priority is inflation, and Joe Manchin has introduced this Inflation Protection Act bill to try to help reduce inflation. So what what all does that involve? Well, it involves $80 billion in new investment for a total of 124000 for IRS tax enforcement. So you just heard about the IRS um, getting $725 million in ammunition this year. Well, guess what? They're getting more money, so that means that they could buy more ammunition if they need to do that. Um, that means that, they, that the IRS agents are being ramped up and equipped. You know, you heard uh, last year... How many new agents, 85,000 new agents that the IRS added? So what's going on there? You know, they're getting ready to go after taxpayers to generate an extra, they say this investment will generate an extra $200 billion in revenue.
0: Well,
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: That must be why they need all that ammo. <laughs> or is it because they fear the backlash of another Biden broken campaign trail promise? First of all, he's not destroying fossil fuel industry as he promised that he would rig count has actually gone up every single month that he has been in office. In fact, he bragged about in the State of the Union address this year, he bragged about uh, more oil production in his first year of office than in Trump's first year of office. He's also gone to OPEC begging them to get more oil out of the ground in spite of the left's agenda to keep it in the ground. And he's written a letter begging oil companies to increase refining capacity. So it doesn't really matter, you know, what what promises he's made. Now, remember that promise to make big business and the rich pay, pay their fair share, and that no one making under $400,000 would get a tax increase? Well, guess what? If this act passes, that's out the window, too. The Inflation Creation Act, (laughs) I mean Reduction Act, um, (laughs) is is what I would rather call it because it's not going to reduce inflation at all. In fact, the Joint Committee on Taxation says that taxpayers in all brackets will pay more with, get this, taxpayers making less than $10,000 seeing the biggest increase. There goes that promise. You know, it's all smoke and mirrors. It doesn't reduce the deficit at all, which is what the title of it indicates, but they're they're all about, you know, using words to mislead people into thinking that's, that something is what it isn't, like redefining marriage and redefining gender and all of those kind of things. So it doesn't reduce the deficit at all. It's just smoke and mirrors. It's a cover for them to spend more money, which is going to make inflation even worse. So I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. We're at the end of the program today. Come back tomorrow. We're going to have a Rapid Fire Friday where we'll try to answer as many of your calls as we possibly can. And let me encourage you to tune in to Seth's Bible study tomorrow morning. It's 5.30 Central Time, 6.30 Eastern Time. You can find that information on our website and uh, join in to that Bible study and get fed with the Word of God and come back for Rapid Fire Friday tomorrow morning. I'm Sheena Bart with Financial Issues, and we'll see you then.
2: If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.